What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the bestseller experiment where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We have got a really, really special, special podcast episode today. We can't wait to invite our guests to join us live. We're all here together in the Bestseller Experiment Studio spread across the world. But before we dive in, we just wanted to thank everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. If you'd like to join us there, pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. And we would also like to remind everyone, you may have heard the little intro, the Academy, the Bestseller Academy deadlines for applications is on Wednesday, the 30th of June. So if you're listening to this on the Monday when we come out, you've got a couple of days left, get over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy to get your applications in. And we'd love to love to see you there. So Mark, how has your week been? I hear you've had a bit of uh, crazy weather in the UK like us in Canada. Crazy weather, but you know, we cope, we cope. Uh, I did get to, um, I did get to see the sound mix on the film. I went into the sound mixing room. That was exciting. I can't tell you anything except it was a big desk with lots of sliders going up and down and it was very dark and I was scared. Um, so yeah, that was cool. What happens in the sound mix? What's the, what's the kind of, how does it work? It's, it's a, it's a dark and mysterious art. It's, um, <laughs> they, they, uh, and it's astonishing actually the amount of work they put into this, but this is where you start combining the music and the sound and the dialogue and all the automated dialogue and the, uh, the dubbed dialogue and, and sound effects and, and stuff like that. And it was really, really really exciting so it's um and it's the first time i've seen some of the finished visual effects up on a big screen as well it's really exciting it's oh fantastic. wow you yeah. didn't get to kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. join in with a pair of like uh coconut shells or anything in the background <laughs> did you <laughs> no but one of the reasons i was invited in we were invite we were interviewing one of the actors and they said can you come in and just do one line and they used a recorder it was so weird because normally they do adr on a proper sound studio and everything but they used a, a sort of a, a souped up version of my zoom recorder mm. uh my microphone and they got them to do just this one little growly noise <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and just to throw that into the mix and it was absolutely brilliant so uh yeah just weird little bonus uh last week so that that's was fun. fantastic that's fantastic <laughs> and this week we are gonna introduce an incredible guest we got an email um i think it was a couple of months ago um and we both read it and we both emailed each other going, did you read this? This is just incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Mark, let's let's, uh, let's introduce our guest, Nicole Kennedy, today. Yes, Nicole Kennedy, the first person in her family to go to university, and she won a place to study law at Bristol. She always wanted to be a novelist, but her work as a lawyer left little time for writing. During Nicole's second maternity leave, she began writing poems uh, on motherhood and family life, which she posted to her blog, The Brightness of These Days. She completed her first novel, 
during her third maternity leave, because by then it was easier than leaving the house. Uh, and Nicole ha- now has a book, which I got in the post, and it's just gorgeous. Everything's perfect. And you know when your publisher loves you because they're stitching, right, here. They're stitching, <gasps> stitching. and a ribbon. Ooh, yeah, stitching and a ribbon. You don't get yeah, ribbons and, unless you get and, journals. <laughs> no, exactly. A ribbon, that is a sign that your publisher loves you. So that wow. that is Nicole's book. Uh, so, yeah, just just amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's fantastic. So shall we invite Nicole onto yeah, the show? Yeah, Nicole, please join us live with your video. We're going to say hello and welcome Nicole to the show. Hello, hey. Nicole. Welcome. <laughs> it's lovely to have you with us. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I'm a huge fan, so um, it's it's really lovely to be here with you. Oh, fantastic stuff. Well, Nicole, you've got quite an incredible story. I mean, I know that the COVID has been quite the journey for most people but when we when we read the kind of story that you've been through and we'll talk a bit about what you know what that is over the next um you know half an hour or so with you but it's quite incredible and yet here you are smiling with this incredible book how did it feel to see mark holding that book up really surreal and you can always tell someone that's really into publishing because the stitching and the ribbon gets so much <laughs> Most people don't really notice, but yeah, you know when you're with another book lover when it's it's the ribbon, the ribbon. Everyone loves the ribbon. And everyone loves and a bit of spot lamination on the cover as well. That's also a lovely touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. (laughs) For Instagram, the lamination. Very, very hard. Very hard to uh, not get it. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, what was it like for you, Nicole, holding that book for the first time? Tell us about this. Tell us about when you first got to hold that book. It was. It was not long before it was published, actually. So um, it came out um, almost two weeks ago, so probably a month ago they arrived. Um, and, yeah, it's it's definitely a highlight of the process. It's It still seems very surreal, you know, to pop into a bookshop and to see it there or to sometimes, you know, I pick it up now and it still hasn't really sunk in, I don't think. It's, it's been such a long time coming because publishing deals take so long when you finally get this book and... Still, yes, still mind-boggling. Tell us, tell us about the book. Tell us about everything's perfect and the story. So it's the story of um, two women. One, one who is um, kind of the top of her game as an Instagram star, and another new mum who is almost anti-social media. And they strike up an unlikely friendship, um, and that becomes derailed when their online and offline lives collide. So very I like to think of it as a love story, but for friendship. Fantastic. And very current as well. I was just listening to Instagram on the news this morning about what's happening with Instagram and how it's changing. So it's fantastic. Now, the title itself, is, is it also seems to resonate with the blog that you had, The Brightness of These Days. Is there is there a link between those two? There's definitely um, an element of, I mean, my blog was kind of poems and rhymes on family life. Um, I've I've taken it down now because I'd stopped posting to it and I I think it looked a bit sad and defunct, but um, (laughs) (laughs) they were generally rhymes that tried to capture kind of the highs of parenting, but also the lows. Um, And I've I've tried to do that with my book. So obviously, you know, being a parent is a really special thing, but it's also one of the hardest things (laughs) We're going to do so uh, yeah i've tried to try to capture both of those um in the story did you pull a lot of your parenting kind of ex- experience into your book as well did you find yourself are both the mums uh, are both the the women in your in your book mums as well uh 
Yeah, so they both are. So Cassie has two children and she her children are about to start school and um, Beth has a newborn baby. And I I mean, they're not it's not really drawn from my personal experience because um, I've tried tried not to do that. But obviously, I'm surrounded by mums and, you know, there's, there's little bits of other people's stories in there. And, um, you know, as a writer, you kind of always got one ear out listening and bringing things together. But I, there, there's definitely an element where... Beth is kind of me naively at the beginning of my parenting journey and Cassie's me four years on and a bit jaded, I think. But, um, yeah. but, but Like I saw. An, <laughs> yeah, an element, um, but not, yeah, I haven't had to draw too much on my own parenting. Fantastic. With the, uh, with the poetry and the blog, was that a good way of just keeping the writing habit going? Why are you yeah. working and why are you with the family? How how was it was it important to you to keep that habit going? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I think I mean blogging is sometimes perceived as a bit naff now, although I did hear it was coming back recently. But um, the blogging kind of led me back to being creative. I think because I was working as a solicitor and I'd always wanted to write, but I'd find that um, I don't know. It was almost like when I was working as a lawyer, my creative brain switched off a bit. So I'd still be reading and I'd still have ideas, but I wasn't actually writing. But then I'd go on holiday for a week and it would it would sort of come back. And when I was on my maternity leaves, it really came back with a vengeance. I, I, I think partly pregnancy can be difficult, but for me, they were quite creative times. Um, and I don't know, I had a, maybe, I don't know, you're living quite healthy, aren't you? You know, you're not drinking, you're not going out as much. <laughs> I found it a lot more... Um, a lot more rhythm with my writing when I was uh, pregnant and on maternity leave. So I started with blogging and that definitely helped to unlock my creativity and it definitely got me more succinct um, at writing. I think it, I think it improved my writing for sure. Um, the problem with the blogging is it's actually super time consuming. So I was spending a lot of time doing it and I thought if I stopped doing this, I could probably write that book I've been banging on about. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I did. I swapped the blogging time for writing time, but forcing myself to carve out the blogging time then led to me carving out the writing time because I've sort of given myself permission to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in some ways it's almost like the blogging helped you create the habit of writing and then that gave you the momentum to start the book which I think is a fantastic kind of way of doing it yeah I think it did and also I mean some of the contact like the blogging the blogging it's not really an industry the blogging community is super friendly and lots of the women I connected with then kind of six years ago have you know supported me now when my book's being published and that's that's a really special thing. I mean, I you know I write about the pitfalls of social media, but also if you're in a world like the blogging world, there's a lot of support out there. Similarly to the writing community, um, and it I think suddenly because you know I'd been a solicitor, I hadn't been, I didn't really know any other writers, but suddenly find, finding myself in a group with more creatively minded people that that made me think, oh, this is worth doing as well. I kind of again, like gave me permission to do it. It didn't seem as far-fetched to be blogging or to be writing a book because other people I was in touch with were doing the same. Interesting. That's fascinating. And you said that you, you've, you've been listening to the podcast for a while as well. I mean, what was the, were there any kind of moments for you where a light bulb came on or was there a moment where you kind of listened to the podcast and, and, and it helped you on your journey in terms of like hearing something from one of the guests that we, we had on the show? Yeah. But there was there were so many moments like that. So 
I, I didn't follow you from the beginning. I think I think your your book could either come out or was about to come out when I heard you recommended. And I can't remember what the first episode was, but then I went back and listened from the beginning. I mean, I've listened to most most of your episodes. Um, oh and I think podcasts like yours do a real service because for me, I didn't grow up surrounded by books. I love going to the library, but my parents weren't very book people. Um, then I became a solicitor again. I didn't know many writers. Um, and it seemed a really like inaccessible career for me. But once you start listening to a podcast and you have a range of guests on and you hear from people from all different backgrounds and everyone has a different publishing journey and a story to tell, that um, that's really inspiring. But I think it was it was more the whole thing, like just hearing some people from a wide variety of backgrounds that had found their way to writing just gave me the confidence to keep going with it. And as you as the, you know, you're paying it forward now as a, a mum of three children, is that right? So here's so so you're going to be that avatar for all the mums out there, and we know there's a lot of mums that listen to this show, with, especially with you know young children, uh, newborns, and you wrote this. I mean, your writing journey is really intersected with your motherhood. So how what 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 would you give in terms of kind of words of advice to mums coming into that who think, oh, I can't write a book, it's life's too busy, I've got you know kids everywhere, I'm juggling everything. What how did you manage to to do you know to to actually write the book whilst by, by being a mum as well and having a job <laughs> it has to be quite selfish um and I don't it's not actually being selfish it feels selfish at the time but you have to be very like precious with your time um so for example I committed to writing a thousand words every day and uh, I could generally get that down I could generally do a thousand words in an hour while my baby was sleeping my middle son was at preschool and my eldest was four. He just started school when I wrote. Um, and I could do it generally in an hour. So either a nap time or sometimes I'd put them in the creche at my local gym and I'd go and sit in the cafe and I'd burst out another thousand words. But at the end of the day, if I hadn't reached a thousand, I'd get them in bed, sit downstairs and finish off. And the house would be like a total mess. <laughs> my husband would get in from work. You know, he's travelled in from the city and there's just, chaos everywhere and he's like why have you chosen now to do this and I was like I don't <laughs> this compulsion to do it um and you know after a while he realized I was serious and it was fine he came around but you you've almost got to do that like you know you've got to be obviously I said to my children they were happy and when I was with them I was with them I you know I did the writing when I wasn't with them but yeah you've got to ignore the laundry you've got to ignore stacking the dishwasher like non-essential things have to go out the window until you've met your daily target if you're you know if if you can live with that approach I mean towards the end of the year of my mat leave I was probably going a bit bonkers because I hadn't really seen any friends I hadn't exercised because I just kept like writing in the cafe in my local gym it's not sustainable for too long but it is possible but yeah I do I am nervous about saying this. I don't know. It, it was quite stressful, and at times it probably wasn't a very sensible thing to do. Well, you said you said that that your husband realised it was okay when you were serious about it, and clearly you are serious and committed. Was there a moment where you said, "Okay, now is the time to do this. I have to do this now before X happens, Y happens, whatever." What what made you set on that course and and say, "Right now"? 
think it was having the children because I was I was having these creative periods during my maternity leaves and I knew I wasn't going to have any more children. And I'd sort of by then realised the connection that when I was at work and lawyering, my, my brain wasn't switched on creatively in the same way. And I set myself a loose target of writing the book on my mat leave and then if I got an agent, I wouldn't go back to work. Again, not something I recommend to others because I've put myself under an enormous amount of pressure. Um, but it was, I think it was knowing that I would be going back to work, I was unlikely then to complete writing a book. And I, I mean, I'd been talking about doing this since I was a kid and I, you know, I wasn't getting any younger either. And I thought I need to do this now. Just, I just knew myself that if I didn't do it then, I probably wouldn't have done it. Do you think, how much do you think the writing actually, or despite the stress of actually trying to keep that incredibly disciplined schedule and amazingly well done for that. I mean, we run the 200 word day challenge and we know that's hard for most people just to even get those 200 words. So a thousand words a day is brilliant. And having that discipline at the end of the day to say, right, I'm going to finish it off. But in some ways, I think having, it feels like from having the maternity leave and that deadline it gave you a real focus how much do you think that deadline helped you get to to get what you wanted done yeah I think that's absolutely right and I'm I'm someone that works well to a deadline and maybe if I'd given myself a deadline a bit sooner I wouldn't have had to do it in such a, a, a difficult way but I absolutely think the deadline helped and I think getting into the routine helped I mean I don't I don't know about you guys but when when I'd wanted to write before, I had this had this thing in my head where I needed it to be like the perfect conditions for writing. So I needed to have had eight hours sleep and not had a glass of wine the night before and had, you know, just been feeling clear headed and, and contemplative that day. And then I could, you know, I'd get done a few thousand words and then I wouldn't feel like that again for another month. Then I might get done another few thousand words. But I've realised now that I can write in pretty much in any conditions. And that that's a really, that's, that's a really good thing to know. I think I was not making excuses before, but I just set myself this impossible target of always feeling great and that being when I was going to write and giving myself the deadline meant I couldn't do that. I just had to write however I felt. And then I realised that when I look back, some of the days where I felt really terrible and I hadn't had any sleep, I did some pretty good words that day. It doesn't <laughs> automatically follow. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, in some ways, the writing itself can be a, a, a form of kind of therapy as you're, did you, I mean, did you find that on the really stressful days that you actually came out of your writing session feeling a little bit lighter, having just written stuff down, stuff yeah, down? As you sit down, you're like really pounding the keyboard, like uh, getting out all that angst. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it was really good for my self-esteem. Like when, you know, I had three small children and everything was about them as it should be, but I just kind of just needed like something still for myself. And that's what my writing became. I wasn't really even telling people at that stage what I was doing because um, I didn't know what was going to happen. And no, I don't think anyone really was that interested, but um, it, it just became something for me and time that I really enjoyed. And hitting that deadline hitting that marker of having done a thousand words once I got into the routine of it just made me feel really good there is a danger that we can fetishize the routine of writing like you're saying you needed to have not drunk wine the night before I mean for me you know I have to have my special pen and you know notebook or whatever but actually I think once you realize that all of that is kind of nonsense and you can 
You can, uh, you know, you can just do it on your phone, it, on your notes or whatever, or, or just get those words down. I think that's quite a big revelation. Weirdly, I because I used to write in my commute and in my lunch break and everything, and I'd write anywhere with noise going on around me. But weirdly, ever since I've started writing full time, the fetishization thing has come back <laughs> because I, I can I've got to write at that desk and I've got to write with this pen and in that notepad. And weirdly, and it's a habit, weirdly, that I've got back into that I'm trying to get out of. But was there like a, a liberating moment for you where you thought, actually, you know, I can do this anywhere? Yeah, there was definitely, you know, the first month or so, it takes a bit of time to get into a routine like that. And you are a bit like, what is, am I just wasting, am I wasting my time here? You know, I never knew it's going to end up with me getting an agent and getting a book deal. But um, suddenly, and I've heard you guys say this about, you know, the 200 words a day. Suddenly you've been doing it for a month or two and you've got a really decent amount of words there. And suddenly you're almost doing it without really thinking. Once you got into that routine, you know, I'd put the boys to bed and I'd sit down, I'd be tucking away and the words would come really quickly and I'd, you'd just get this rush like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm really writing a book. I'd never made it past about 30,000 words before and it's so, so lovely to see the words stacking up. Um, big psychological milestone for me to know that I could write a book. Like it might have been terrible and it was initially terrible, but I knew I could do it and that, that's a huge thing. That's fantastic. Now, tell us tell us a bit more about the journey over the last year and a half, because, I mean, we've only really just scratched on the, we've talked about, you know, the writing of the book, but a lot of other things happened in in that year. I mean, um, it's obviously been a struggle for a lot of people, but I think you had a pretty, pretty challenging curveballs thrown at you from all different angles. I mean, tell us a bit about what happened during that year. Well, I'll go, it probably makes sense to go back to, well, I really, so I started, I started doing this regime in September 2017. And in October of that year, my mum was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. So she lives in Ireland. We, you know, I, I wasn't seeing her every day. I wasn't able to do that, but obviously it takes a, a, an emotional toll. And I think at that point, I could easily have stopped writing, but again, then it really did become like therapy, you know, having this creative outlet where I could do something and forget what else was going on. Um, and then, I mean, the few years after that just were just a bit a bit of a disaster. Like a, friend had, a friend had said to me once as a throwaway comment, you know, people think their 20s are messy, but wait till you get to your late 30s, it's a total car crash. And I was like... I kept, kept, kept thinking about that as the years went on and I got further into my late 30s because so my, yes, my mum had triple negative breast cancer, my dad had prostate cancer, his partner had breast cancer, my stepdad had a heart attack. Um, it was just it felt like one thing after another. And I, my, eventually we learned my mum had a breast cancer gene, a BRCA2 gene, which I found out I had inherited Short, I was already signed with my agents. I think I found out shortly before I went on submission. And as part of that, I went for a routine mammogram um, and they detected something unusual. So um, it turned out to be fine. It was actually a hangover from breastfeeding, but I was on submission by then to publishers and I had to say to my agent, for the next week, I can't hear anything. Like there's just, there's just too much going on. Um, and it turned out to be fine, but that did then propel me into having a risk-reducing mastectomy. So I was due to have that last spring, but that got delayed because of COVID. So lockdown was super challenging. I mean, I know it was for everyone, but I obviously had my sons here. I was waiting for my surgery, waiting to find out when that would be. I was having to have kind of 
telephone calls with surgeons to discuss the surgery without being able to see them. And my son's like going bonkers in the background. And I was still, by that stage, I'd I'd signed with my editor, but I was still working on edits for the book. So it has been been a ride. (laughs) I can (laughs) imagine. How did you even think straight? (laughs) I probably didn't really. (laughs) I'm not sure I was thinking straight. That's insane. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine... I mean, I've been in some of those meetings in the rooms, you know, as part of my journey um, with my wife. And I can't even imagine having to do those meetings with screaming kids in the background. I mean, they were hard enough as they were, but... um, Like anxious lockdown kids. And I've got three boys, like, you know, they come, I don't know if you have sons, but they come with a certain amount of energy. Oh, yeah. wasn't being burnt off. Yeah, if we could learn to bottle that, we could power not just the national grid, but the, the global grid, I think. What <laughs> an amazing world. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what an amazing story. And so, I mean, this really puts into context a lot about, you know, your actual journey as well and finding out, obviously, initially about your mum's diagnosis. And how much of these real life-changing moments, would you say, Nicole, really affected your drive to want to write this book because it, it it feels to me like this book was something that you realized was so important and in some way all these life events that were happening really sharpened your focus around that yeah I think that's right I mean sometimes I get really frustrated and I think why has it happened now that I've got a book deal and my book's being published when every, everything's just a disaster but then on the other hand I think the reality is if I hadn't had the book deal I'd probably be in a lot in a lot worse position but I think I'd have you know I'd, I'd have struggled a lot more mentally with going through all of that without having a creative outlet and I you know I love that feeling when you're writing and the rest of the world disappears um, and just you know you retreat into the world of your characters and that that became so much more important to me the further I went through those few years when um, everything was going wrong it, it you know I I talk about how hard it was and it was hard writing a book at that time but also it it's sort of was like the best thing I could have been doing, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating because we've talked a lot on the show about the benefits for mental health when writing, but it listening to you speak, Nicole, it really feels to me like writing was a mental health break for you. It was an opportunity for you to just put a pause button on the insanity of everything that was happening around you in the real world and just take a breather. And in some ways, that's as good as almost taking a holiday, isn't it? And so, you know, even if it's just for 20 minutes or those thousand words. Yeah, it is. And also, it is something I'd always wanted to do as a child. So it was, you know, it was a life goal. It wasn't like I'd never been that into writing, but I started to do it as a release, which, you know, is equally valid and a good thing to do. But at the back of my mind, I was also like, I'm achieving something I always wanted to achieve. And so that, you know, that. That, that was a really good thing for me to have, a, a positive thing to have in the midst of all the negative stuff that was happening. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that, I mean, the, the overriding feeling I've got talking to many people who've been through this, you know, this kind of journey is that, and it, it really, I feel like, you know, your book, Everything's Perfect, what a great title for, you know, an incredibly um, imperfect kind of world in in quotes, right? But at the same time, I do think that there's something that happens when we really get to that we get to face life very closely up close and personal whether it's through someone a loved one or whether it's through our own journey or both in your case and Nicole I I think in some ways there is this 
sense of a gift that comes out if we're willing to find the gift in or in amongst the insanity do you do you feel that do you feel that like like deep down that that this book is the gift that's come through through all of this for you yeah in a way and that, I mean you reminded me that I've, I've heard you talk about this before on the podcast and I it, it, that is something what I've heard you say similarly before and that has given me comfort actually um and I, and it is true I mean I I suppose I had I'd started it in the September and this all kind of kicked off in the October um so I I don't know I don't know for certain if it was the driver I think I would have still done it but I don't think I don't think I would have got as much from it perhaps in in terms of the kind of therapeutic benefits of it had mm. that that not been happening at the same time How much richer do you think your book is from having gone written it during the experiences you were having uh yeah well it's funny to say that so my my first draft i did um my original idea was of an insta mum who becomes so obsessed with likes and followers and she's not getting on with her husband that she decides to bump him off because she sees a gap in the market to mums that there's no grieving widow mums <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> shopaholic meets the wimbledon poisoner and my, oh my agent, I find with my agent, my first one at her, she was like, look, you can write, but this is this, this ending is just terrible. Um, and I'd had feedback from another respected agent shortly before on similar lines, kind of a revise and, and resubmit. So, so my agent quite rightly said it needs more emotional resonance. So I stripped it back and then I put in the emotional resonance. And yeah, I think it was, you know, partly my agent told me I needed to do that and, and she was absolutely right. And partly... I think it, it, the, the layering of that and what was going on, the two definitely fed into each other. I can't. I can't let you get away with just saying I put in the emotional resonance. Like you push a button on your computer and it, it suddenly does that for you. How? How did you? Yeah, it's not. It's. I've looked on my keyboard. I can't see it anywhere. It's not on Scrivener. How do you? Although they should think seriously. Think about it. Um, how did you? How did you do that, Nicole? Because you you. So you you had a draft and you went back to it. And were you looking for spots where you could dig a little deeper? How did that work for you? Yeah, I stripped I stripped it right back to kind of the key beats. And I looked at, I mean, I found this a challenge and I still do really, the, the, the showing and not telling. Because I, to me, the way she was behaving was clear that she tried trying to kill her husband was clear that she was distressed and upset about something. But I hadn't made that obvious enough. And I do think it's difficult, especially when you're, you know, I'm a debut writer. I hadn't done any writing courses. I did, um, did a 12-week Curtis Brown short course online when I was first starting out. Um, but beyond that, I've not done any of the longer courses. And it's really difficult, I think, to find that balance between showing and telling. So I knew I knew she had the emotional depth, but I hadn't made that clear to the reader. And that was something I really had to work on, finding the balance then between going too far and telling them, giving the reader too much. Um, and I think, I think for me as a writer, that's still a bit of a work in progress, like finding that balance between, you know, telling the reader too much and... Not it never stops. <laughs> Lifelong yeah, journey. <laughs> well, in some ways as well, I guess we also experience new 
as we go through life, we experience new types of emotions as we as we as we grow older, as we have become parents, as we find a partner, maybe, you know, as we suffer some, you know, financial disaster. I mean, we get to experience the roller coaster of emotions throughout our entire life. And in some ways, it's it's food, it's fodder for that for that writer's, um, you know, that that perspective you talked about, Nicole, about making sure that we've got that connection emotionally, because that's really what connects the readers to the book. And it sounds like um, it sounds like that it's in spades in your book now. How 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 much different did it feel getting to the end of that process and thinking, wow, this has really shifted the book? Yeah, it was good, and I, I have to be really honest. I like I love writing the first draft, and I hate editing. And I found that <laughs> like stripping it back and putting in the emotional resonance that felt like a long thirteen months to me. But at the end. Obviously, it was a much better book, and I was really pleased. But um, some writers seem to love editing, you know, and they all talk about moulding it and chipping away at the clay. I, and I'm like, oh, I know. I, I love it. I, it's so funny, isn't it? We we talk in the academy about this idea of, of like choosing your own adventure because there's some people that love to write the first draft. There's others that just want to get the first draft done because they're edit, editing geeks, and that's the thing they love that detail. Others just they 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 don't even they want to write a book they don't want to market it if they're doing indies it's like every single person is so unique in their mix and it's really good to i think admit to ourselves in the world like what we most love and then you know with every job there's there's always something which is kind of like the the graft and for you it sounds like it is the editing someone someone asked a question i think it was on the academy the other day about oh okay i finished my draft how long on average does editing take and there were all sorts of answers from like six to weeks to eight weeks to six months. Where and someone put, yeah, I did my first draft in about six months, and I'm still editing it six years later. You know, so it's <laughs> it's, it's very much horses for courses. Having having been through the process, what's uh, because I, you know, going through that process of an edit and a copy edit and proofreading and everything, what were the biggest lessons that you've learned that you've taken forward to to your next book? Planning. I'm, I'm attempting with this book to plan so my first book you know I was doing my thousand words a day I was like I'm not going to be held up by by planning I'm just going to get to the end and then I spent 13 months sorting it out so for my next book I have a plan um it'll be, it'll be interesting for me to see how it works out because in the in the past I had I had tried to plan a novel and I think I'd over planned it and I'd lost the kind of creative spontaneity that I love about writing and it hindered me so I have a plan this time but it's not super comprehensive so I'm hoping it's a plan that I can still like you know within that I can still be creative and not feel too limited but planning I mean I yeah I wish I wish I'd thought better about you know the midpoint I mean didn't even know what a midpoint was when I wrote my first book um which I'd, I'd thought more about those beats and you know maybe read a few books or <laughs> Had a bit more of a clue. <laughs> and how did you decide what to focus on with, I mean, it's always this kind of decision, inf infinite number of decisions we can make. And some people have got so many book ideas, others struggle to get the next book idea. How did you make a decision on what you were going to be focusing on? Was it an idea that you'd had kind of mulling in the background for a number of years? Or was it something new that sparked from the current book? Is this the book two? or Book um, two, yeah. 
Uh, book two was an idea I had shortly after I started writing Everything's Perfect, and I made a note of it on my phone. Uh, I think it was actually my brain doing a classic me thing, and I started you know, writing Everything's Perfect, and I was tapping away, my brain was like, no, 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 what about this other idea? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really fun. Um, so I made a note on it on my phone, and I did manage to forget about it. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that would have been, I guess, you know, four years ago now. Um, and it stood the test of time basically when I, I sent it to my editor she loved it and um it's and I love working with an editor um although ironically because I don't like editing but I do love working with my editor um but she really loved it and we've you know kind of come up with I sent her my plan and she had a few suggestions and we've you know, tweaked that a bit together but yeah that's an idea that I came up with when I first started writing um everything's perfect and it, it's, it works I think <laughs> I mean, that's the thing you've got that you never had first time round, which is that little support group of your agent and editor. How have they helped you through this whole process? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I know obviously there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with writing book two. And, you know, you, you hear that from writers and I do get it. But personally, for me, I'm much more enjoying this process, like having an agent and an editor to bounce ideas off. You know, I worked largely in my dressing gown in a vacuum on my own on the first book I would have loved to have you know professional people I could ask their opinion of so um I I love it I love working with I love working with them yeah I think I'm really lucky to have a good team and, and I um I feel very good about it and are you able to keep up this this these these daily habits is it are you still managing to write those thousand words a day so It'll be, I've, I've got to start again, basically. I mean, I, I am I'm a bit behind on writing my second book, but partly um, partly that's been because of my surgery and the pandemic. <laughs> and there was a delay getting some notes back um, from my editor for, for similar pandemic reasons, I think. I mean, I think everyone I talk to is really feeling the time pressures now with working from home and trying to keep up with things. So I'm a bit behind where I'd like to be. So... I am going to start, I'm going to start from Monday, actually, um, a thousand words a day. I was wondering whether I should try and bump it up. I'm not sure how many good words you can actually get out in a day. I'm not sure I could get past 2,000 good words in a day, personally. How about so, you? No, I think you, you, you find your own level, don't you? I'm, I, I, I am a roughly averaging about a thousand words a day myself on a, on a first draft. And I find that if I force it too much, it just becomes drivel and it just creates more work further down the line. So I think you do, you, you find your own level, which is why we say to people 200 words a day, just start with that, you know, and then you'll work up and you'll find your own level. You know, some people can do two, three, five thousand words a day. I'm astonished by people like that. But I mean, we, I still follow Ben, Ben Aronovich still posts his work out on, uh, on Twitter. And it's rare that he gets above a thousand a day because, you know, he's, he, he works at his own pace. Do you know what the magic number is, folks? From 15 million words that we've collected on the uh, 200 word a day challenge, and I get to see all the spreadsheets, it's brilliant. The actual average number of words that people write a day is 671. So that, there's obviously magic in those numbers. Yeah. I thought you were going to say six 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 for a minute. <laughs> Not quite. No, we get we get beyond six six six. That's the that's the point. But it's really interesting because this is the point of the two hundred word challenge. it's you you try to do two hundred words a day, but actually it's it's as much about just starting writing to get to two hundred. 
And if your momentum takes you past that, as on average it does for most people of six, seven, one words a day, um, I think it's fascinating. But I like the fact that you also have that, you, you, you know, if you want to, if you, I mean, writing a thousand words a day, you can get, you can get a, you know, a 70,000 word draft, first draft done in, in just over two months, which is insane when you think about it. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's something for people to work up to. If you can do the 200 words a day, then maybe, you know, 500, 600, and then eventually that thousand words a day could be the, the kind of magic number for a lot of people. So it's great that you picked that. What, what made you pick that? Was it just a, just a nice round number? I don't know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I hadn't, hadn't put that much. So, so I think I probably got distracted and wanted on, but so I'd, I'd had the previous idea that I'd super planned. Um, and then the idea for this book, I was breastfeeding. Cassie's voice just kind of came to me while I was feeding. Um, and then a couple of months later, I started down to write. And I think I probably worked out, I think I probably worked out how many months I had, how many, you know, how many words a week I'd need to do, and then how many words a day I'd need to do. And I built in a bit of time, you know, if my kids were sick or something and I wasn't getting any sleep, then I, I didn't put pressure on myself to write. So um I, you know, it took longer than it should have done doing a thousand words a day, but it was still doable um in about six months or so. Brilliant. That's amazing. Now we always like to ask our guests, Nicole, what their bigger dreams are. Obviously, you've had this incredible scenario with your book coming out um beautiful hardback what's the child of that dream now what's the thing that you kind of look forward to over the next five years and would love to see happen with either your writing or with the books that you you put out question um i would like to keep writing i would like to be a bestseller at some point um i would love to write a screenplay i've got no experience or knowledge about writing a screenplay but i have lots of ideas and i'd love to write one um, I wouldn't like to write a screenplay of my own books. I think that would be too frustrating for me. Um, but I'd like to write a screenplay for something fresh. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, well, if, if you can, t- if you can tell a story, you can write a screenplay. It, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's a slightly different skill set. But there's a lot of woo woo and mystery around screenplays that most. Yeah, there is. It feels, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it feels yeah. like there's a, a lot of, you know, art to it. And I mean, I, I've yeah. read a few online, and just I wouldn't even know how to set one out. Um, yeah, well, that, that's why I went through that process. Yeah. That's the best thing to do. Go to the BBC Writers' Room, download as many scripts as you can and just read that. That's the best way to learn about it. And and you'll realise, oh, it's just a question of formatting. You know, really? It's uh, So, yeah, get down. Uh, we, we've got a deep dive with the horror author Adam Neville where he's got into the habit of in between books he will write a screenplay. And he knows the odds of that screenplay being made into something are quite slim. So once he's finished the screenplay, he then turns it into a book. And it's, it's like so. It's it doesn't feel like wasted uh, wasted time, you know. And it's um, yeah. It's a great way. Of, I mean, I've done that a few times, um, and it's a great way of of uh, reimagining and re-energizing a story as well. So yeah, jump in, go for it. I would suggest it. I I got fascinated by it too, Nicole. And as a relative newbie in the the screenwriting world, I the, the only analogy I can think of for anyone ever thinking of trying it is it's a bit like learning a new piece of software like to, to kind of understand the format of screenwriting it's a bit like learning a new piece of software you, the first couple of weeks you're you're not really writing stuff you're writing stuff to try and work out if you formatted it correctly and you're looking at web pages and i'm emailing mark saying how do you how do you do that and what do you do there with this and when do you indent it and what about the and so but once you've done it for a few weeks 
it's a bit like doing Scrivener or Word. It's like it starts to become a bit more, you know, once you get the kind of like the rules of how it should be formatted. That was the biggest thing. And I thought once I get beyond that, it's like, okay, dialogue, that's the next big, next big fun challenge. But apart from that, it's all storytelling, isn't it? It is all storytelling. And one of the first books I read on screenwriting was Adventures in the Screen Trade by William Goldman, who wrote all the President's Men, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Princess Bride. And he didn't even type his screenplays. He used to handwrite them and then get someone else to type them for him. So don't get all hung up on the formatting and indenting and how it should look and all that kind of nonsense. Just uh, tell, a, tell a cinematic story, which is easier said than done. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it can be done. It can be done. Fantastic. So maybe one day we'll have you back on the show, Nicole, and you can tell us about your your latest Netflix or Apple <laughs> Plus or Disney Plus or other Apple TV <laughs> production. That'd be amazing. Brilliant stuff. Now, if people would like to get hold of your book, Nicole, um, all usual vendors, I'm assuming they can and they can find out more. I guess so you've got a, have you got a website that people can go to to read up more about the book? that will be launching any day and it's nicolekennedy.com it's ready to go so i yeah fantastic I and if you sign up to my newsletter um on there i'll be sending out i'm starting to do um a monthly um kind of insta live um where i talk to others especially um other mums who are writing about how they find you know balance between their creative life and their um, writing life so if you sign up to oh, that brilliant. you'll get Fantastic. And talking of Instagram, how can people find you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I am um, Nicole underscore K underscore Kennedy on Instagram and Nicole K Kennedy on Twitter and Nicole Kennedy on Facebook. And Fantastic. I recently, like Mark, stay, but it's really difficult. I don't know. <laughs> That's like learning yeah. a new bit of software, isn't it? Like what yep. on earth is yep, TikTok yep, yep. all about? TikTok uh, is easier than uh, TikTok actually. I feel like um there's a famous Steve Buscemi meme which is taken from an episode of Community where he's pretending to be a teenager and he's got a skateboard and a baseball cap on backwards. I feel like that meme whenever I'm on TikTok, but yeah, I've just started putting stuff up in the last couple of days. So uh, I am Mark Stay Writer on TikTok if you want to come and join <laughs> me uh, and watch me flounder about like a like a like an idiot. But yeah, it's um, but we'll put links um to all of Nicole's uh, uh links in the show notes folks make that easy to absolutely. find absolutely fantastic i was just going to say about tiktok as well i was like flicking through through it the other day and literally half of the videos i saw were were memes about if you were born before 1980 and you're on tiktok and i'm like oh no <laughs> they've obviously sounded me out but uh but nicole would like to wish you all the best in your onward journey your writing adventures congratulations for this most incredible journey that you've 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 endured and and celebrated you know writing this book you've got this book to show from it all and going to be bringing joy to many many people's lives um who can take that book away this summer and tuck themselves away and maybe escape for a, a number of days and reading your book so congratulations for doing that and for inspiring everyone out there who's maybe you know, at the beginning of that journey or somebody thinking of writing a book, um, especially all the mums out there who we have. I mean, th th this podcast, our book that we wrote, it was a tribute to mothers out there. So we um, salute everyone out there, um, mums, um, you know, stay at home dads, everyone out there who's trying to write a book. And thank you for um, bringing us your story and, and, and inspiring everyone today, Nicole. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so I feel very honoured to, to be on. Thank you very much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Nicole. Brilliant stuff. Now, Mark, if people want to get hold of us on social media, maybe tell us their incredible story like Nicole's. How should they do that? Yes, come and find us. If you want to drop us a line, an email, we're at bestsellerexperiment.com and you'll see a contact tab there you can, and we read all the emails. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment, or Twitter and Instagram is at bestsellerxp. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please subscribe, rate and review on your podcast supplier of choice. Thank you as always to our editors, Dave and JD. And it would be remiss of me not to mention one final time, if you want to join the 200 Word Challenge, that could be your gateway to that book that you've been dreaming of, 200wordchallenge.com. And remember, folks, if you want the accountability, plus the community, plus the inspiration, plus the courses and the coaching with me, Mark, come and join us at the Academy. This is a it's, it's an amazing, amazing community of inspiring like minded people. And we would love to have you there. So join us by sending in your applications before the end of June at Academy bestsellerexperiment.com so it's a goodbye from mark one and goodbye from mark two and goodbye nicole and a goodbye thanks from so much nicole. <laughs> take care <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye